Good morning. It's good to see you. You glad to be here? I heard one guy say at his age, he was glad to be anywhere. So, starting to uh, see that sometimes. Wake up a lot more thankful these days. Part of that's just age. You begin to look back. Not mourning, but just taking stock in where you've came from, where you've been, and where you are now. And I would say to you, wherever you are right now, that's where you are. You say, what kind of mysticism is that? It's not really complicated or hard. It's not even really that deep. It just means live in the moment. If you're with your kids, be with your kids. If you're on the job, be on the job. So much is fighting to distract us from our lives and enjoying our lives. And um, so just be careful of that. The enemy is a, he's a liar. He's a big distractor. He blows a lot of smoke screens. Um, that being said, the sermon I have for you today is going to be a very simple sermon. Um, but before that, um, the Lord is funny. I didn't say anything to Mark about something about what I was going to talk about in this very first part. And they used a, a powerful scripture that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And just, you know, last week, um, I was reading back through Daniel, and um, this has nothing to do with my sermon per se, we'll see. But I came upon where, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not going to say he was a good guy, but he was a great king. He was a powerful man, and he recognized after he had a nervous breakdown, it became like a wild beast living all outside that uh, God is king and lord, his narcissistic side kind of got put to death. And um, he ended up coming back to his senses, and he realized that God was the only true king, not Nebuchadnezzar. And then you fast forward quite a few years, and his ancestor, his descendant, Belshazzar, was on the throne. And he was uh, not a good guy at all. And matter of fact, if you are looking for this Bible story in a children's Bible, it'll be the writing on the wall where the hand appears. And so what was happening during this time is that Belshazzar had taken the holy things of God out of the temple, the cups, the bowls, the things that God had set apart for holiness, not to be used flippantly or irreverently or without fear. And he had taken them, and he had taken them to a party at his house in the kingdom, and they were drinking wine and making merry and enjoying themselves and defaming and blaspheming the holy things of God. And a hand appears and writes on the wall, and they couldn't read it. They didn't know what it meant, and so they call for Daniel, and Daniel comes in, and basically what the writing said was, you're Days, O king, are numbered. Your kingdom is numbered. And you've been weighed in a balance. And you've been found wanting. You're not measuring up. And it also said that your kingdom's going to be taken from you. The Medes and the Persians were going to take it. But what was interesting, and I read back through that, is Daniel comes to the king and he says, O great king, the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. You know, that night Belshazzar was slain 
he died. The judgment of God fell upon him because of his irreverence and a loss of fear of the holiness and the holy things of God. In my heart, when I look at my country, my nation, I'm a very patriotic man. I have friends who have bled and died. I have brothers who have bled and suffered greatly in combat. I'm a very patriotic man. But when I see the things going on in my nation, it disgusts me. When I see the things going on on church TV, where a man is using with what measure you meet, it will be measured back to you again as a way to get your money. It makes me sick. That scripture he took completely out of context. I'm like, I don't know where you went to school. And I'm not the brightest guy, but I got sense enough to read that verse and see that's not what it's talking about. And I see how that the gospel has been prostituted and we've gone into this freestyle form of religion where the Ten Commandments are up for debate. The Big Ten have never been up for debate. Not ever. And they will never be up for debate. And when we give a little line, it's not long before they're back to take a little more. And then they want to take a little more. And pretty soon we take God off of the throne of our hearts. You know, that becoming holy is simply taking myself, divesting myself of holiness in my mind. And I'm stepping down off the throne and I'm enthroning God on my heart. And I'm saying, God, you're in charge. You're king. Nebuchadnezzar had to go insane and live like an animal before it got in and clicked in his head. His descendant never did cost him his life. Look at that phrase, the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways. I'm master of my destiny. If I eat great enough, exercise enough, I can live for It's up to God. Your breath, breathe out your mouth, breathe into your nose and your mouth are in his hand, not yours, not the government. His hands. And as I read that, I thought, God, help us, Lord. When we begin to teach this freestyle of religion where it's okay, you're okay, moral relativism has crept in. Religions have been built around it, and we don't want to tell people they're in sin. We don't want to tell them you need to live holy because we serve a holy God. Because after we begin to live like that for a little while, I know some folks that... And some things have happened a few years back with them, and I'm like, wow, how did you get where you are now? You used to chase after the presence of God like a coon dog on a fresh track. What happened? We all get weary, but how did you get from there to here? What path took you there? Did you go all the way? Because I know they didn't. Or was it a little grain of sand at a time? You ever get a rock in your shoe? And you think, man, I've got to sit down and get that thing out right now. And you get it out and it's so small. It doesn't take much to begin to pull us from center. Pull us from center. Pull us from center. And before long, we're not touching God embracing God we're not there and then pretty soon we're not even close enough to smell the fragrance of God 
When I hung out with my pop, I went away smelling like Old Spice aftershave because I'd spent time with my dad. And my pop used Old Spice aftershave. And when I left there, I smelled like my papa. This book says that we are the fragrance of Christ diffused in the earth. If I want the lost to smell Jesus on me, I have to be around Jesus. Do all things in word and deed. In praying for my sister Frances, it's an easy prayer for me because her life reflects the fact that she lives what she believes. And she doesn't tell you something she hasn't lived. And I'm going to tell you what, that's a rare commodity in the world today. Even in secular world, people don't keep their word. But in the church, my goodness. And I'm like, Lord, where have we gone? I've had to fight to stay where I am. Do you understand? I'm trying to stay on center, y'all. But the enemy is trying to pull me from one side to the other. And he appeals to my fallen nature and says, oh, it's okay, nobody will know, and blah, 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 and we can get off into that. Whatever you do, try to stay on center. One thing, the fear of the Lord. You can't go wrong with that. Oh, well, God is peace and love and joy. He is. But the God who loves also judges Belshazzar died that night. He profaned the holy things of God. And my heart is broke over the, the holy things of God being profaned. And I'm like, Lord, when... We say, oh, the judgment of God has fallen. God has not judged this country, y'all. We would not exist. Even Egypt is still around. God was merciful even in that judgment. That is not my sermon. (laughs) But when I read that, we're masters of our destiny, aren't we? But on that day when we're dying, who do we cry out to for one more day? A few more minutes. God, God, when it's your time, the doctor can't help you. I've seen too many loved ones die, watched them die, held their hands while they died. Our breath is in God's hand. Well, I built this life. I'm a hardworking man. Well, good for you. Amen. Who gave you the ability to work hard? Can you claim anything as your own? Anything as your own. Naked I came in this world and naked I'm going to leave. Whatever I have belongs to God. He gave it to me. And when I go into the house of of filth in my mind, my eyes, my ears, my feet walk there. My hands drive me there. And we say, where are you, God? And God says, I'm outside. I can't go in there with you. I can't be there while you're in that activity or that place. 
And we feel the loss of the presence of God, and we want to know why. And God says, I'm holy. My holiness will not abide there, son. If you go there, understand you go there on your own. I will not go in with you. I will not profane my own self. So God, where are you? God says, I haven't moved. Who moved? Where have you fallen from, son? Remember, when you chased after me like a coon dog on a fresh track, when they sang the song and you wept at just the thought of me. See, when they sang that last song, you stood outside my grave, called my name. I'm going to tell you what, for me, that's, a, that's one of the most powerful songs. Because clinical depression almost killed me. And I felt like a dead man walking among the living. And the knowledge that God stood outside my grave and called my name is too wonderful for me. It's too powerful for me. It did things that medicine and doctors that helped but couldn't cure, couldn't fix, did. The knowledge that a holy God loved me enough to stand outside the tomb of a dead man and say, Joel, Joel, your name means declarer of God, son. You can't declare my name in the grave. When you go to places that are places of death, where sin abounds, it's a grave. People go there to die, y'all. They go there to die. They don't realize it. They think they're going there to numb their feelings. And whether that's a bar or whether that's a porn site or whatever that sin is, they're going there to, to stop that pain. It's not. It's a place of death. It's a grave. God in his infinite mercy and love is standing outside that grave and saying, you cannot declare my name in the grave. Please step out of there. That is absolutely not my sermon. <laughs> it was just a very powerful thought this week that came to me. And uh, sometimes I worry about being emotional. You know, I see these men, and they're such powerful servants of God, and they seem to have it all together. And it just seems for me when I get up and I'm in the presence of God, and I think about his goodness, and I don't deserve it. I, it's hard for me to not be emotional. So God's been so good to me. So good. So let's pray. Father, you are a good, good God. You're a good, good father. You're a good daddy. You have never sought my harm, only my good. Forgive me, Father, for the times when I profaned your name, Lord, by my action, in word or in deed. Forgive us, God, as a nation, when we profane your name in word or in deed. Help us, God, to get back to where, Lord, when we hear the name of God, we reverence it. Stores used to be closed on Sunday. Some stores wouldn't even sell alcohol. Lord, God, help us. How far have we fallen, God, where we don't even smell like you anymore? Help us to be strong, Lord. Many are our battles, God, but you fight for us, Lord.
You stood outside our grave and called our name. God, when we returned to the vomit, the pit and the mire we came out of, it's as if we crucify you afresh and anew, Lord. Help us not crucify you again, God. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us to guard our hearts, Lord, against the assault of the enemy, against the sin, the filth, the garbage, the wretchedness that he brings in this world. Help us to be, as our sister Frances, a light, a voice that's saying, trust God, trust Jesus. It's never gone out of style. It's never gone out of fashion. The gospel is yea and amen. It is still true. Help your servant this morning, Lord, as I humbly try to bring a word of encouragement to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Goodness. So, our sermon today, uh, the title of our sermon would be Guard the Gates. Guard the Gates. And so, uh, very briefly, we... We have three main gates I'm going to talk about today. It's our eye gate, our ear gate, eyes and ears, and our mouth, our mouth. There's no cruise control in a Christian walk. We don't get saved and push the button and back. It just doesn't happen that way. As soon as you set the cruise on the interstate, what happens? Somebody slows down or you're like, right? And there's no, there's no cruise control. I've tried that. Because that would be easy. It's not easy. It's simple. It's simple. Pray to my devotion. It's simple. James said, keep yourself unspotted from the world. Look after the widow and the orphan. That's religion, pure and undefiled. Simple. And in thinking about this, what are the ways that things, we, in guarding the gates, you got to understand, see, we're guarding the gates because we're guarding our heart. We're trying to keep things from getting into our heart. Those things get down in our heart, and then that's where it all goes astray. And Romans 10.10, you can turn there if you want. Romans 10.10 says that with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is righteousness? What does that mean, that religious word? It simply means to be in right standing with God. Justification, what does that church word mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified, righteous, right standing with God. See, while I was God's enemy, it says that Jesus died for me. That's like crazy. That goes contrary to my thinking. Who dies for their enemy? I don't know about you, but, and, and I'm not saying nothing about my, my lineage, but to Stever's buddy, I mean, hey, you did us wrong. We're going to get you back. <laughs> we might lay in wait for a few years, but the score is going to be evened out. Well, it goes contrary to our thinking that we would, our enemy would love us and die for us. And that's really about changing the whole nature of who we are. But our heart, see, there was a battle for your heart. The enemy wants your heart, and he wants to keep your heart. And Jesus says, no, I want his heart. 
So he begins to woo us and pursue us and love us with an undying love. But, and the reason why we want to guard our hearts is because that's the seat. We're guarding our salvation. We're guard, it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not, well, you know, it don't bother me that bad to do it. It's okay. <laughs> the book's got rules. But rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Relationship. I'll automatically follow the Big Ten. My heart will want to follow the commands of God if I have a relationship, if I'm guarding my heart. If I'm guarding my heart. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We must protect our heart. These things get into our heart through our eyes and our ears. And what defiles us and actually indicates our true maturity level is what comes out of our mouth. What comes out of our mouth is indicative of what's inside our hearts. So, I, and I've actually heard myself sometimes, you've ever realized you can talk and not really hear yourself? You ever done that? I know some people who talk so fast, I can barely hear them. I know they can't hear themselves. And you walk away like, Phew, I'm exhausted. Great person, but goodness, they talk fast. Well, see, I'm a big talker. I can carry on a conversation with this tissue box. And so my wife's very, very shy, and she's like, and so she kind of, you know, I help with that, you know? And so if you see her, you say hi, because she's going to be like, and so I can, I'm like, I'm not a machine gun speaker, but I, I, I can carry on a conversation. And, uh, and it's just that what comes out of our mouth sometimes, I've, I've listened to myself sometimes like, well, this has gone wrong, and that's bad, and this is here, and blah, 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 and I can't believe this and that, and that, you know, and I'm like, man, I'm like, goodness, I wouldn't want to spend time with me. I'm complaining about everything. And it, you'd almost like, man, has anything good happened to that guy sometimes? Not all the time, but I think all of us have been there. And it's like if one more thing happens, what happens? One more thing. It's almost like God's like, really? Wow. Okay. Let's let that one happen. It ain't going to kill him. And it's like, what? Just to kind of show me what's really in there. Am I really a thankful man? And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, the, the mouth gate, what comes out of our mouth gate really, truly speaks to our maturity level. And understanding that our mouth can save us or condemn us. That's what it said in, in Romans 10, didn't it? It said our heart believes and then our mouth confesses. There's a power of life and death in our words, the Bible says. Life and death. Now look, if God tells you to march around a plane a hundred times and claim it's yours, I'm not going to get in all that. That's between you and God. He's never told me that. I'm just saying that there is power in your words. Powerful. There's something there about sound and sound waves. You know when I... They did this thing in Bible college our freshman year to teach you how to study. Because believe it or not, I didn't know how to study. <laughs> I just had a great memory, so I would just retain things. 
And um, one of the sessions, they turned off the lights and they put on Bach in a minor chord playing classical music in the background. And then they do these little exercises. It was so relaxing. It was crazy. They were like, if you fall asleep, fine. And what they were telling you is that when you're studying, put on some classical music low and soft in the background. No words. You don't want to be trying to study retribution theology and Pavarotti's back there going, you know, because retribution theology can be a little dicey. And so, and then one of the points they made is that they took a raw egg at a rock concert. Now, I, I used to really like rock music a lot and um, blew out a few speakers. And uh, they took this egg and they set it up at the, the speaker during this concert. And at the end of the concert, it was hard-boiled in the shell from the sound. And I'm like, that's crazy. Now that explains a lot with me. Too much Twisted Sister and Quiet Riot and Metallica. And, and so I'm like, wow. In sound waves and sound, the sound of praise, the sound coming out my mouth, the creative power my words have for my children, the destructive power my words have for my children. The restoration effects of the words, I'm sorry. I was wrong, son. I was wrong, daughter. Dad didn't know really what he was doing when I raised you and I spoke things. There's so much restorative power in those words. So out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks what's in your heart in abundance. Matthew 12, 33. Let's turn there. What are you allowing in dictates what comes out. <laughs> I don't want to be gross, but you ever ate something that went bad? <laughs> yeah. You didn't know, not suspect. A few hours later, you're worshiping the god of porcelain. You know? <laughs> and it's not pretty at all. It's goodness. I'm glad no one can see me now. <laughs> You know, they say about true love, and I was like, well, true love is holding the other person's head while they're throwing up. That's true love. And, you know, when things come in our, our body, our being, that aren't good, they're going to come out, and it's not going to be pretty when it comes out. Same way, when things come in, and we take in ungodly things, unholy things, things that don't build up, things that aren't good for us, we can't give out anything good. Nothing good's going to come out. It's not hard. This is a simple word. It's a simple message. You know, about three years ago, I had a dream, and I typically know when it's a God dream. And in this dream, I saw people like little dry sticks. And I saw myself and some other people, and they were speaking, and words were coming out like sparks out of our mouths, and when they would hit these stick people, they would burst into flame. And then the sparks, you know when you ever hit a campfire? And we always fuss at the kids. You know, my mom used to say, don't play in the fire, you'll wet the bed. You ever heard? That's an old mountain saying, but anyway, that was just to keep you from burning yourself. And, 
you hit the fire and sparks fly up. And so these sparks were going up and they were lighting on these dry stick twig people and they were catching on fire. Boom, 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 boom. And it wasn't that just these few people, me and someone had the fire and we were, no, it was all these people, they were catching on fire and then their sparks were setting others on fire. And I just thought about that, how that it was simple. The words that we were saying were simple. Jesus' teaching, not 21-point sermons and things. Nothing wrong with that if you're in Bible college. But the simple teachings of Christ have never gone out of style or fashion or never grown old. They're powerful. They change lives. My charisma does not change a life. It did get my wife to agree to marry me. But my, my man's charisma doesn't change lives. A simple gospel teaching changes life. And no man can take credit for it. You can't lay it at the feet of one man. But in Matthew chapter 12, verse, we'll start reading at verse 33. Now, understand here, Jesus is addressing the hard-heartedness of the Pharisees. He had healed a man on the Sabbath day of a withered hand, and then he had healed another man. And, and after that, he was possessed with a demon, and they attributed the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Now, that's the unpardonable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you didn't know what the unpardonable sin is, it's not you coming in here and saying, them Holy Ghost people are a little strange. That's not the unforgivable sin. That's not blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's you naturally, as I did, saying, that Holy Ghost stuff is a little strange. I want to understand more. Ask us. It won't offend us. You want to know, what is that all about? The unforgivable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, is attributing the works of the Holy Spirit of God to Satan. And so the hearts and minds of the Pharisees were blinded by greed and power and narcissism. And they began to say, this guy's going to take over because the people are they're, they're latching on to Jesus. So we'll say that the works are from the devil. And Jesus is saying, a house divided against itself can't stand. Listen, as a Christian, you can't be two people. The Bible talks about give me singleness of heart, God, to serve you. Your heart can be divided. It once was before. You got saved and your heart got united. The enemy has been trying to divide your heart ever since that time. Don't let him divide your heart by carrying you back off into familiar sins. And this says right here, Jesus, he's speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, you're a brood of vipers. But look at verse 33. It says, enter, either make the tree good, its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. And there are people I know, they bear fruit. So when their words come, they're heavy and weighty. And people's lives are changed by what they say because they've already seen the fruit in their life. And Jesus is saying, make the fruit good. If the tree's good, the fruit will be good. And he goes on 34, he says, you're a brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? 
We want to speak good things to people and to our family, our wives, our children. What are we letting in our heart? Because out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth is going to speak. And that's what it says here in verse 34. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If there's good in, good's going to come out. And so if bad is coming out, then I have to stop and ask myself, what is in my heart? Is there good in my heart? Is there holiness in my heart? Is there more Jesus in my heart than Hollywood in my heart? Man. I like cartoons, and, I, and if you don't know, but you probably have seen me before and been like, yeah, he's a cartoon character. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of good cartoons I really love and the silliness of it. And there was this neat little cartoon I found because I was just flipping through the kids' channels because everything on TV, it seemed that that day was just nasty. <laughs> I couldn't even watch a good show without there being some kind of risque, nasty commercial. And I'm like, what has happened? What's happened? I'm not that old, y'all. And I'm like, what's happened? And I was flipping through the kids' channels, and I came up on this little cartoon called Bluey, B-L-U-E-Y, and it's this neat little cartoon about dogs. And it was just hilarious, but it was this wholesome setting of family. And I sat there, and I laughed, and I had such peace, and I thought, you know, I, I like action movies, you know, that, you know, and guys blowing up stuff and all that. But the movies, I'm a, and I love John Wayne, and, but you know, even Westerns faded into no hero at all, didn't they? They went from having the hero, John Wayne's going to come in, you know, you don't mess with old people, children, or dogs, you know? And yeah, and he was rough around the edges, and he cussed a few times, but he was a stand-up guy. We don't even have that anymore in Westerns. There's like, there's no heroes at all. You know, and I'm like, those things made me feel good, God. Where did they go? What are we putting into our hearts? What are we allowing in through our eyes and through our ears? Are we safeguarding our hearts? And it, it ends up because... If good's not going in, then good's not coming out, and so we don't look or smell like a Christian. And the other day, I, <laughs> I've gotten to where, as I've gotten older, I'm not very exciting anymore. Not that I was ever that exciting, but I, I didn't do, I don't do many risky things anymore. I don't drive real fast. I don't have a fast car anymore, and, and, um, but, um, so one of my things is I'll take a different way to work some days. Wow, that guy's living on the edge. Woohoo! It's so goofy. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, what's happened to me? I used to have a 68 Camaro with a 327 board, 30,000 silver with 300 double hump heads that would make your grandma scream. My dearly departed in-laws even told my wife when we were dating, if he drives that car, you cannot go out with him. 
I don't know why, I would go by their house and with straight pipe headers, and she'd say, when you come by, the window's shaking the house. I'm like, yeah, that thing is right. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened to me? I used to be exciting. And I'm like, I'm going to take a different way to work. And I find that I, I'm becoming my granddad, Stevers. He used to ride around with no driving permit, no tags on his car because they'd taken all that. <laughs> Doesn't matter, the car still runs. What's wrong with you people? And <laughs> this guy, ran, he ran into this guy because he was on that guy's side of the road and the cop's like, Mr. Bill, he said you was in the middle of the road. He said, well, that guy didn't have to hit me. He had that whole field he could have drove in. <laughs> and so, but my granddad would ride down the road, and he's looking at the cows. He's looking at the crops, because he was a farmer, you know? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've turned into Granddaddy Stevers. I'm looking at everybody's house and their yards and, and their garden. And, and, you know, but my heart, I'm like, where has our, my world gone? Where has it gone? Where good is celebrated. Where holiness is revered. Where we wouldn't dare take the name of God in vain. Where we would take our hats off when we came in the church. If you're wearing a hat today, please don't be upset at me. My dad would almost rip my head off if I sat down at the table. Get your hat off your head. You know, and I'm still, I can't wear a hat when I sit down at the table because I'm still afraid of my dad. That's a good thing. My mama, this tall, grown man, and some of the things she would say still, I'd be like, afraid of mama. It took me a long time to get over hearing the silverware drawer open. You know the ching-ching when you open your, your silverware drawer? Because my mama used to snatch that thing open and whip out a cake turner and hit me with it. <laughs> and so as a grown man, I hear that ching-ching, and you're like, where's mama? A fear and a reverence that I have not lost, lasted, stood the test of time. Have we lost that fear and reverence for the Lord by letting things into our hearts and our minds? And then they come out, and when they come out, they don't come out good. A good man, verse 35, let me move on. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil things. That's not hard to understand. I get it's hard to understand a theophany, okay? That's where God appears in a form that you can understand. He did that throughout the Bible. He would appear in a form because anthropomorphic terminology is used in the Bible to describe God. We say that the world is upheld by the power of God's hand. Now, we've been out to the moon, and they've looked back, and there's no big hand holding up the earth, so that's an anthropomorphic term used about the power of God. So when we, we talk about these things, understanding, some of that stuff's a little hard to understand. This isn't. 
the basics. God wouldn't tell you, here's what you need to do and then make it so hard you couldn't do it. My favorite author of all long since past, A.W. Tozer, said the problem we modern Christians have is not understanding the Bible's biblical doctrine. It's in getting the permission of our world-loving hearts to obey its simple truth. The problem we have, Tozer said, is not understanding the Bible, but making our, getting our hearts to live it, to live the truth. And I have to agree and say I'm at the head of the line. I work every day to maintain my walk. It's daily maintenance. There's no cruise control. And I can't depend on somebody else to do it. I can't go to Jiffy Lube for Christians and say, fix me. Pastor can preach to you. I can teach and preach to you. But you, during the week, you have to maintain. You don't have to read 10 chapters. It can be one verse. Just some spirit-led time where you're with God and nothing else is fighting for that attention. Nothing. It says that, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Goodness. (laughs) I've spoke a lot of words. I was gifted with a storytelling gift and my oldest brother Skeeter was and my son Josh is and it's kind of this thing where we can just, something that's happened and we retain it and we'll tell that story over and over again to people. And I'm thinking about all the words that I probably said that weren't good and goodness, I don't need any more on my record. God gave us two ears to hear with and one tongue, right? And he put that behind a cage of teeth and bite our tongue. For by your words, you will be justified. Didn't we just see that in Romans? The heart believes and the mouth speaks. It confesses. It says, for with your words, you will be justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And by your words, you will be condemned. The ball's in your court. The tools are in your hands. You have to use them. You have to maintain your Christian, if you want to be your car, whatever car you are. I don't know. Maybe you're a sports car. Maybe you're a three-quarter ton GMC truck. I don't know. Maybe you're a dump truck. Maybe everybody piles all their stuff on you. I was funny, we were at the beach this uh, month, month, and and I was remembering how as dad, I was the pack mule. Dad's always the dump truck. I'm I'm the guy, I'm carrying everything that we possibly owned to the beach. They get out there, and you're, when they were little, you know, and it's like, oh, we made it. All right. Whew, everything's set up. Everybody's cool. We sit back. I don't want to go in. I'm tired. I'm hot. Get it all back up, Dad. Let's go back in. So maybe I'm a dump truck. I have been one. I was a fast car. I'm not anymore. I'm that go slow guy. I don't like them cars that are too low nowadays because you can fall down in them, but Lord help you getting out. (laughs) I worked on a Lotus one time. 
I had to like grease myself up and slide in that thing. And I was young then. I'm like, oh, what happens if the car catches fire? You ain't getting out. And I'm not, a, you know, I like them big trucks, but I'm not about it. I'm looking at it, I'm like, hey, in the world's that young and get up in that thing. So I'm that mid-level guy now. It's just part of my age, you know. I want the power now. I just don't want it so loud that I can't hear the gum radio. And I'm sitting there because, you know, aren't we all 26 in our minds still? And my 26-year-old mind says, yeah, go hunting with them boys and take off running after them dogs. And I get halfway down in the woods and my 54-year-old hip starts going, are you nuts? <laughs> I'm like, I can't let the boys down. Got to cut that deer off. But that's where I'm at now. And I guess part of that is looking back and saying, what is the good? What is the stable? What is the steady? God, the fear of God. The answer for our country is not economics. It's not political. It's no man in the White House. It's the fear of God. That's what the answer is. Belshazzar toppled an entire kingdom by his irreverence and no fear of God. One man. You say, I'm one man. What can I do? I'm one woman. I'm one teenager. Live a life in holiness, a fear of God. Reverence to the Lord. If we keep on reading and we go over to our ear gate, it says a faith comes in Romans uh, 10, 17. I don't know if we got that one. Yeah. So. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith. Not just saving faith, but faith to live out this life that God's given you. Faith to stand in the gap for your sister who's sick. Well, if, if faith comes by hearing the word of God and all I'm hearing is death and destruction and nastiness, what is that doing to my faith? It's killing it. It's not growing. Listen, I, you know, I'm an informed guy, but I typically anymore, I don't watch much news. They're ugly, nasty, and telling lies, and I'm like, I'll listen to a little bit of this, and I'm done. Because I'm like, I don't want to hear what you men say anymore. What does God say? Because if my heart's troubled, I don't need to hear about this mess. If your heart's troubled, cut the stinking news off. Cut the news off. What did he say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Ain't that what he said? I'm coming back. I'm preparing a place for you. I started to work in you. Your heart's troubled. I'm going to finish it. Oh, my goodness. Fast the news and feed on the word. Make a compromise with God. It's so important to guard what comes out of our, our comes out of our into our hearts for two reasons that you know there's more than that. But I feel the same way in the morning, Monday morning. That's going to be me. <laughs> the only good thing about it, I can't do that. Y'all will look at me funny. You know what that is? They're running out. Parents run out. It doesn't bother me at all. It's the sound of life. 
Jesus is a reminder of what you're supposed to be. <laughs> it's so important to guard our hearts for the two reasons for me. It's to maintain my walk. And second, it's to use our words to lift up each other and not tear each other down. Turn to Ephesians 4.29. If you're cussing a lot, write this scripture down on a three-by-five card and tape it everywhere you spend time. It helped me. Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Now, that's another churchy word. Edifying simply means to build up. that it may impart grace to the hearers. What's interesting is, is that that word that corrupt used there literally means rotten. Let no rotten, dead word, a word of death, come out your mouth. Speak words is what Paul is saying that build people up and doesn't tear them down. Wow, we could do with that a lot, couldn't we? It's hard to do that if what is coming out my mouth is what's in my heart in abundance, and if what's in my heart in abundance is not good things, if it's not God things, I'm not going to speak those good words that I need to speak. So I would just urge you today, as, and I'm finishing up now, um, worship can come, or however a pastor wants to end service. Guard the gates of your heart. Read God's word See if, in fact, it doesn't begin to help you lead a more consistent Christian life. It's what I've done. It doesn't mean you don't have struggles. Listen, I have whatever struggles, I've, I've had them, you know, and it's tough. I have to fight to live this life. I maintain it by coming here and worshiping, being with other believers, encouraging other believers, you know, one of the things they, a therapist told me when I was in the throes of depression was find someone and help them. Wow, it works. There's a lot of people way worse off than me. I have so much to be thankful about and so much to be thankful for. So I urge you to just guard what's going in your heart. Pray for reverence and fear of God to return in our country, to return in your heart? Do you really fear God like you used to? When you stood on the back, and I was in Winds Baptist Church, and I was about eight, I guess. And I remember we were at a night, going to church at night, which seemed odd to me. <laughs> and that was my first experience with going to church at night. Who goes to church at night, you know? And I was sitting there, and I was by my, you know, I wasn't, nobody prompted me, and Pastor Donovan was giving an altar call. And man, it felt like a rhinoceros was sitting on my chest at that young age, and my heart was pounding, and you'd like, your fingernails are in the pew, and it's like, I've got to go up front there. Well, I was young, and it's kind of scary, but this fear of what I had heard and an awe of what I needed to be with God overpowered that. The fear of God overpowered the fear of man. Have our churches been built 
at the behest of the hordes, the public, popular opinion? Do we teach things that make people feel good so that we can fill our coffers with money? Has church leadership began to fear man and the man's finances more than they fear the provision of God? And so therefore we cave to what man wants, we preach what he wants, and our coffers are filled with money and we've got great big buildings, but there's no power evident in our walk and in our churches, in our pews. And I'm like, God, where is that? One of the keynotes of this church, and trust me, we've missed the mark a lot through the years. The keynote of this church has been holiness and a fear and a reverence for God. And if we've messed up, we're sorry. We sure didn't mean to. But we sure ain't going to stop fearing God and preaching holiness for you. (laughs) Even my children, I'm not going to lose my salvation for my children. I love them. And I would give my life to see them safe. But my soul belongs to God. I've done the best I know how. I've taught them to fear God. And that's one of the greatest gifts I could have given them. The rest is on them. So if you stand, I'm going to pray. And then pastor would come, I guess, and dismiss you. Um, Just begin to fear the Lord again. Just pray, God, give me a touch of the fear and the reverence of who you used to be in my life. I love what Pastor Bernie said, how Miss Clark told him that day, standing in the parking lot of 7-Eleven, Bernie, is Jesus more real to you today, today, than he was yesterday? That woman's words changed his life. The direction, the, the passion, it was just like, water to a thirsty soul. He needed that word from her. I have felt the fear of the Lord before in a way that I can't even describe. I won't even try to describe to you. It was like this church was laying on my back. I was laid on the floor. It felt like the buttons on my shirt were holding me that high off the floor. And I just wept before the Lord and I felt like my righteousness is filthy rags in your sight God I wouldn't trade that for anything of of all things it has sustained me it has sustained me but my relationship with God is built on more than fear it's built on a love of the Father because following a rule won't get you there because when the rule keeper is absent You tend to not keep the rules. And we don't see God, do we? So it's easy for our flesh to talk us into, he's not here. He won't see. The Bible says that nothing is hidden from the eyes of the one we have to give an account to. Oh, my goodness. Lord, help me. So I encourage you, develop a relationship with God. Fear the Lord. Read his word. That trinity right there will not steer you wrong. You will maintain a consistent Christian walk. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray a blessing of peace and joy on your people. God, I pray for a resurgence in our nation of the fear of the Lord. Lord, that, Lord, that it start in our church pews, right in the, the individual. It start in our pulpits, God.
and we begin to preach fear and holiness and an awe-inspiring love of God that says no matter what's going on in the world, one thing is constant and one thing is true. Jesus is Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no God but you. You were the humble lamb that was slain. You're the sweet rose of Sharon when I am in mourning and pain. And when I am in need for you to come and fight for me, you're the mighty lion of Judah. There is no God but you, God. Yahweh, we praise you, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor for your people. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I'm not going to preach, but the story of the prodigal son was when the youngest son lost the awe and the respect for his father. And he drifted so far from God that he found himself eating with the pigs. And then he said, even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. I will get up and I will go to my father and say, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son, but I will come and be your servant. And the Bible says that the father saw his son coming from afar and he ran out to meet him. First of all, Jewish men didn't run. He ran to save his life because a child that did to his father what that young boy had done to his father under Jewish law was worthy of being stoned to death by the men of the city. Had the men of the city saw him, they would have stoned him to death. So the father ran to save his life. And he said, bring my robe and put it up on him. Put shoes on his feet. Put my ringer, ring on his finger. Go and kill the fatted calf and call all the guests together because my son who was once lost has been found again. There's an old song that says, I have returned to the God of my father, to the same simple faith as a child I once knew. I have returned. The church, I'm here to tell you that the word of the Lord has been spoken today by the unction of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't just Pastor Joel preaching what Pastor Joel had on his mind. He's preaching what the Holy Spirit gave him. Because there's people that have been a part of this church that are living a lifestyle that I'm aware of that have lost the fear of God. They're doing things that they know they should not do and they are mocking God. And the Bible says, be not deceived. God will not be mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, we don't fear God because he's a big bully up there that's going to beat us up. But he is my father. And just like my dad, my dad, I loved him. There was time I could climb up in his lap and he was daddy. Abba, father, daddy God. But there was other times that he said, get in the bed. And that was the father speaking because you better get in the bed because if you don't, you get in a spanking. And God said that he chastens those that he loves. And if he does not chasten you, then you are an illegitimate child. You don't belong to him. And what I'm telling you is this people that's living a lifestyle that have lost the fear of God, the wrath of God will, without question, without doubt, come to your house. 
And I'm telling you, if you're walking out of the fear of God and you don't serve the God that you did as a child or as you once did, this is God. And if I'm this close to him one day and in another day I'm over here, something's wrong. You have backslid from God. And church, it's a time for repentance. If you're not living under the fear of God anymore, I plead with you. Return to the God of your Father. All right? Because I've been, how many of you have ever been taken to the woodshed? Brother, I've been to the woodshed. I'm talking about a spiritual spanking from God. And brother, that is one thing you don't want. Thank you for that word, Joel. Because there's, there's some people I wish had been here this morning. That, boy, they needed to hear that. Because I fear for them. I do. I really do. How many of you know who Jim Baker is? I asked the word. Raise your hand real high. Boy, you're going to make me feel old if you don't raise your hand. Jim Baker used to be the, the, the host of the PTL Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. He had a, an affair. He embezzled money. He had to go to prison. And John Bevere went and visited Jim in prison and said, Jim, when did you stop loving Jesus? Jim said, I have never stopped loving Jesus. I stopped fearing him. If you don't have that fear, that reverent awe and that respect for God, you need to repent. Okay, you need to repent. Father, I thank you for the word today. Lord, I echo God. I'm just bearing witness to what Joel has said. I am in agreement to every word, Lord. Thank you for the unction of the Spirit that has spoken to my brother, Lord. God, I thank you for his faithfulness. I thank you for the lessons that he's learned in life, Lord. The lessons that I've learned in life, Lord. The times that we have stumbled, Lord, and strayed away. But God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. That you're like the, the one that said, although the, the, the one is lost, I will leave the 99 and I will go find that one that is lost, Lord. And God, there's people, Lord, that's a part of this church, Lord. They've gone astray, Lord. They're that lost sheep. And God, I believe that you're crying out to them, where are you? Where are you? And you're asking them to come home, Lord. God, years ago, you gave the songs to, to a songwriter says, I don't care where you've been sleeping. I don't care who's made your bed. I've already gave my life to set you free. And there's no sin you can imagine that is stronger than my love. And it's all yours if you'll just come home again to me. God, I, I pray for those, Lord, who have wandered away from you, God, who's not living the life of holiness and, and reverence to you as they once did, Lord. God, I pray that you will just tug at their heart, Lord. May they repent before it's too late. God, may they not be those that hears the words, Thy fool, this day thy soul is required of thee. But, Lord, that they will hear that tender cry out of the shepherd as he's coming looking for that lost sheep, Lord. Father, I pray for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to grip the hearts, Lord, of those who are living that compromised life, Lord. God, we pray for our nation again, Lord. God, we pray for your grace, your mercy to be on us, Lord God, as we are in troublesome times, Lord, where they call evil good and good evil. Lord, heal our country, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we conclude the service today, Lord, I speak a blessing over the body of Christ. Lord, may you just be, bless every single home, Lord, that's represented here today, Lord. God, strengthen the family, husbands and their wives, parents and their children, siblings, one with each other. Lord, I pray a special prayer, God, over those who are seeking their mate, Lord, single people. 
God, that's looking for that very special one that you have called and, and, and ordained for them, Lord. May they find them, Lord. They can join together, Lord, and walk together as one. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you.